0: All right, welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast Podcast. I'm Patrick Miller uh, alongside Wayne Pois, bringing you another rendition. We've covered the major three sports baseball, basketball, football. We're going to go back to basketball, and this episode will be more retrospective. Um, Wayne and I are both kids of the 90s. We have a lot of favorite players growing up and throughout the 2000s. And, you know, we just wanted to have an episode where we actually rehash on our personal top 10 favorites. Um, they may not go in exact order of ranking or anything like that, but just a way for us to kind of, you know, reflect and, and you know, pay our respects to the guys that, you know, paved the way for the you know young guys in the game today. Um, just to plug too, uh, we're still looking for, you know, your follows, your likes, your comments, any sort of reviews on, you know, the social media channels that we have out there right now. Um, we're on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can find us on uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well. Uh, really, any any sort of feedback's helpful, good or bad, and, uh, and we're just glad that you're here today. So, uh, with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Wayne to uh, kick it off, and he's gonna give us two of his favorites from his top ten, and we'll we'll go back and forth just
1: like that. Cool. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. So my first two, right off the bat, um, you know, my first one here is uh, you know I. I'm one of those people. I like Duke. I like Duke University. I was cheering for Coach K, uh, you know, during this, uh, this NCAA finals or final four here um, really wanted to win the championship and all, but uh, yeah. So my first player here, um, kind of the ultimate three and D player, I would say, uh, Shane Battier, uh, you know, can shoot the three, uh, some, uh, you know, but was definitely much more known for his defense, maximize his, uh, his efforts there, uh, you know, I, I remember his battles, uh, you know, I, it, w- w- you know, for all the Kobe lovers out there, um, I just remember him battling Kobe, essentially, and uh, really kind of giving him some fits. Uh, he'll drop 30, right, on on him, because he dropped 30 on anybody, uh, but it was a little bit harder. It was a little bit harder with Shane Batty, I felt like. Um, so, you know, so Shane Batty was definitely one of my uh, favorite type of uh, kind of glue guys, uh, you know, uh, I guess, I guess I was uh, cheering for him. Like, okay, glad he won the championship with the heat and all that. Um, but definitely was a uh, cheer when the Spurs beat them for sure. So got, got that one out of the way, but um, really liked his effort and play. Uh, you know, I know he won some games with the Rockets too, you know, really, uh, they had that winning streak and a lot of it had to do with just his, his overall play on the defensive side and making smart plays overall. So, uh, you know, it was tr- truly a maximizer on, on his uh, talent overall. Um, next one on my list would be uh, uh, one of my favorite shoes, uh, the T-Mac twos the Tracy McGrady uh, scoring machine. Um, definitely. You, you can't talk about him without talking about the 13 points, 33 seconds. Uh, against the San Antonio Spurs, uh, you know if you haven't seen that, you know go on YouTube and definitely watch that. It's amazing what he was able to do, uh, willing his team to win that game. So, um, you know maybe didn't do so well in the playoffs, but was able to, you know especially during the regular season, just put on the points. Like there was, uh, you look at his game, like there was just no weakness with regards to his game overall. So, uh, you know uh, if you were to build a player, uh, a guard. Uh, it would basically be someone like Tracy McGrady. Um, you can definitely knock him on whatever his work ethic. I know they call him the big sleep and all that because he slept a lot and just chilled, uh, but really liked his overall town, what he brought to the table. Uh, really wish we could have seen what would happen if him and Vince Carter stuck around uh, with the Raptors uh, had a lot of what ifs too with, uh, with the Orlando magic when he signed with them and, and Grant Hill and then o- almost Tim Duncan as well. So Definitely a lot of what ifs in his career and had, you know, caught the injury bug uh, later in his career. So really couldn't uh, finish it off strong, but, you know, made the Hall of Fame and all. So, um, yeah. And with all that, like, hey, Pat, what do you think about my first year right now?
0: I love your first two, uh, both players. I mean, Battier, for the reasons you outlined, I always felt like he was just the true gamer, the true team player, uh, a guy that you could bring off the bench. You could slot him into your, you know three spot, four spot, whatever it was on the floor um, as a starter as well. It was just his willingness to just play for every team he was a part of and just kind of give it all, um, you know, for the for the game of basketball was was something that, uh, you know, I always appreciate because in today's NBA and even then, I mean, you had guys that, you know, didn't always want to work hard or, you know, didn't want to, you know, dive on the floor for a loose ball or, you know, give up their scoring um you know, prowess to be, you know, kind of a defensive stopper. And I feel like Shane just left his ego at the door wherever he went. And he was a consummate professional, uh, Tracy McGrady, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> he was almost like the top icon in basketball for, you know, a good five year run there. I felt like with the magic, like you were saying with, um, this shoes, a, a story that I had in high school, I always thought was funny was, um, there was a guy who, uh, in our school was, a uh, you know, middle to low income or what have you, but, uh, there was one kid that told me that every week, uh, he would save up a good portion of his lunch money and he would kind of, kind of stash it away. So he would, you know, have like $2 that he would spend like exclusively on, you know, a couple items at food and then you have $3 every day that he would just scoot away for his, you know, McGrady fund. And he, (laughs) he bought the black sand, the blues. And I was just like, you gotta, you know, appreciate that hustle. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the one thing I was going to add, I mean, I think you covered him pretty well, but it would have been nice to see him also, uh, signed with the Bulls uh, that offseason where him and oh. Grant were both looking for destinations. Uh, I was still young then, and I still, at that time, I didn't really know who Tracy was, but it was kind of like the way they were building him up in the press was like, he's this young kid who's got tons of potential, and he'd be a great fit on this Bulls team, and, you know, it didn't happen, but, uh, you know, what, yeah. what could have been, I guess?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, in a way, I feel like that's like That's just Tracy McGrady's career is like what ifs, right? You know, what if he did sign with the Bulls, and then you know all all these things transpired and all that. So, uh, what if he didn't get injured? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, he's definitely one of my favorites overall for sure. That sounds good.
0: Um, I guess I started off with my two uh, first guy. I'm going to throw out there. His career stat line is eight points, four rebounds, and two assists per game. Um, He was somebody who just stood out to me as, as a scrapper, uh, somebody with the defensive mindset, somebody who's, you know, going to get in your face is going to make it, you know, kind of, kind of be an annoyance kind of like your modern day Patrick Beverly, but, but my number 10 is uh, Matt Barnes. Um, I always like this guy. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but, um, with the 2006, 2007 warriors team, uh, that, you know, knocked off the number one Mavs team that year with Dirk and Steve Nash, uh, you know, it was Barnes, it was uh, Jason Richardson, Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson. Um, I think they had Beadrens and Michael Pietras as well off the bench. But it was just one of those teams that, you know, you just want to show up to the park with, uh, you know, five on five. And, and, you know, you might have a star on the other side of the court or, or what have you. But those five just had, you know, such good synergy together and just played the right way. And, you know, knocking them off in six in the first round was just yeah, you know, one of my, my, maybe my all-time favorite basketball, uh, series in the NBA, uh, just watching that start to finish. Um, and Matt kind of continued on, um, you know, he bounced around from, you know, Phoenix to Orlando. I think we all kind of remember when Kobe, uh, you know, was, uh, guarding him, you know, at the other side of the, of the inbound stripe and, uh, you know, Matt tried to fake him out and Kobe didn't really move, but, uh, you know, I think that's like an iconic Kobe thing, but in the same way, I think it was a bond that him and Matt built uh, while they're going through that moment where when Kobe was asked, you know, what he thought about bringing Matt Barnes into the Lakers um, for that one time period, it was it was a definite yes. And I think that it's just kind of, uh, you know, his, his swagger, um, the way that I play when I played pickup um, in basketball, I always kind of try to emulate Matt Barnes, um, you know, at least later on after high school in, in men's leagues. Like for a couple of teams that had a lot of good shooters and I just had to find a way to, you know, really add value. So it was, you know, grabbing rebounds is, you know, going for steals. It was, you know, getting in somebody else's, uh, you know, comfort zone, getting in their space, just kind of being a disruptor. And, uh, you know, I think the funniest story about Matt Barnes, um, you know, post career was, this whole Derek Fisher debacle with his, uh, with his wife at the time and just kind of the level of, uh, of craziness this guy was willing to go to. So I think the story goes is that he called, uh, Gilbert Arenas and he said, Hey, I know, you know, Derek Fisher's at my house. So he got, uh, all fitted up in a a sweatsuit and put on a beanie and, and basically, you know, trespassed in his own house and, you know, (laughs) threw some punches on Derek Fisher. So just like, you know, just like that mindset of, uh, you know, it's really attacking. I always appreciate with that guy. So he's um he's number ten on my list. Um, my other favorite, probably equally as, and uh, probably on that same wavelength, that same, um, let's say, let's call it, uh, just just kind of <laughs> uh, attitude. <laughs> uh, like space would be Ron Artest. Um, I love Ron Artest. I feel like, you know, we can all acknowledge his shortcomings. We all know, you know, the things that he's done wrong, and and maybe. You know, he probably was a huge pain for the guys that he played with over the course of his career. But I take it all the way back to when he came out of St. John's and he was a first round pick for the Bulls. And just watching him with the team that was just absolutely dreadful. It was it was so refreshing to watch another guy who was just such a great defender. Um, so much energy, had a lot of offensive potential that he flashed You know, throughout his career. Um, I think he averaged about 13 points a game, you know, when it was all set and done. But, you know, I think one of the biggest regrets I had as a Bulls, Bulls fan growing up was watching him and Brad Miller uh, get packaged together to the Indiana Pacers for Jalen Rose, Travis Best. Um, I, I was heartbroken at the time because I felt like Brad Miller was was so seriously underrated. But it was more about our tests and kind of seeing the you know the star power that he had. And uh, you know to kind of get back, uh, you know, Jalen and his twilight was just—I mean, it just—it just wasn't enough. So, you know, he blossomed, uh, you know, from that point on. And you know, the Mouse of the Palace is always like that big, you know, overarching event in his career that just kind of, you know, has, has kind of tarnished him over time. But I really do feel that if that team in '04 for with the Pacers were to all be on the same court together from start to finish, I mean, we could have been watching uh, an NBA champion that year from Indiana. So. Um, I'll just stop there, um, Wayne. Do you have any reactions to
1: the first two? Oh, I love it. I love it. No, yeah. I mean, know, They're I, they're both they're both dogs, man. They're both dogs. Like they <laughs> both attack and all. Like they they have a little attitude, and I love it. Right. Like you 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 need those players on your team. I think right in order to win. And I, I think that's one thing Kobe uh, has acknowledged, and it's like. Yeah, that there's a reason why he got both of them or <laughs> played with both of them, right? Is because he knows that uh, you need to have those players that are just going to get messy and, but then still have enough skill set to like score, you know, shoot an open three, uh, you know, make yeah. some easy transition layups or dunks and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and then obviously defend, uh, you know, some of their best players overall. So you need defensive wings in this league in order to win games. So, um, and Barnes and Ron Test were two of probably some of the best ones uh, during that time. So no, I love it. And yeah, I love that you mentioned the whole trade. Like, I think, I think initially like they were talking about um, the bulls needing scoring and it's like, yeah, but you know, you're going to trade to run our test. And Brad Miller, like these guys, I think both of them, or at least Brad Miller, I think he became an all-star, run test. Uh, he might've, or was a kind of a quasi all-star, right? So it was like, you know, why, 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 why? So, um, so yeah, I was definitely not happy about that trade for like, you know, what a season or two with Jalen Rose. So, but no, I love, I love both of your picks there. Sounds good. Um, you want to kick off your next two? Cool. Yeah. So my next two, um, so, uh, my first one here is, uh, just one of the best, my, one of my favorite human beings, I would say just in general, um, has, uh, uh, started hospitals uh, overseas in his home country um and you know on the court is like tremendous defensive player um has a great personality larger than life uh, if you will uh dikembe mutembo um love him love his commercials like i love how you know they're able to capitalize his own no 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 thing and all that i know people make fun of him like saying his voice is like the cookie monster which i'm like oh that's awesome uh, but you know he kind of just owns it um you know it's, it's, it seems like he's never had a bad day in his life just enjoys life uh sees like this as a platform so that he can do better things right his nBA career so you know um really admire him as as a person and uh his defensive prowess uh, i love it you know his attitude and i i i admired when you know his uh his denver nuggets um uh, beat the, the number one seed, uh, you know, when they were the eighth seed. So, you know, it was definitely has that underdog mentality to like, you know, just conquer all and all. So, um, really liked him there. And I was definitely cheering for him, you know, uh, uh, with R- Allen Iverson, you know, when he was in the 76ers against the, those dominant Lakers. So, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, he also later in his career, did a lot of tremendous things with the Rockets. I know when Yao Ming was injured a bunch, uh, you know, he was one of the proponents to that big winning streak that, that I think I mentioned earlier with the Rockets. So, um, definitely uh, brought that that defensive mindset uh, towards the paint uh, and helped elevate teams tremendously. So, kind of like, yeah, back in the day, like or, you know, maybe more modern day, it was like that Rudy Gobert just like eating the paint and you know, uh, you know, uh, getting offensive rebounds and dunking it back in or, or you know, laying it back in. So, really am- admired Dick, Dick Kamu overall. Um, my next player, uh, I'm going to go back to another Dookie, uh, the best three-point shooter, uh, in college basketball history, uh, JJ Redick. Um, you know, he definitely had some ups and downs careers. I think early on in his career, uh, you know, struggled a lot, uh, just didn't have the physicality that was needed to, uh, play in the NBA. And then he got built. Like, I remember just seeing like, Oh, this guy's got biceps. I see some veins there. So you know, worked on worked on his fitness more and and really uh, dedicated himself, adapted his game more to the NBA. Uh, kind of got better as he got older, actually. Uh, you know, had a, some career years with uh, the LA Clippers. Uh, just really learned how to uh, utilize his skill set for the modern modern day NBA. Um, and yeah, now he's doing podcasts and is doing a pretty awesome job about that. So, uh, really, just like uh, you know his uh, you know dedication to the game persona, and then uh, you know, now his commentary on, on the NBA itself right now. So, um, yeah, so that's my two, what are your thoughts on, on those two players, Pat?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, Dikemby was the ultimate stopper, you know, in the early nineties, I think Jordan, uh, might've gotten him once and his own finger wag or what have you, but he just always kind of seemed like the perennial all-star who was just your, you know, you're pure rim protector. You know, if you had to can be on the floor with you, mm-hmm. there weren't going to be any easy buckets. So, you know, much respect to him and what he did over the course of his career. Um, JJ Redick, um, you know, the the one memory that I had, and this was kind of, you know, at a time where three-pointers weren't the, you know, weren't so, weren't so commonplace in, in the way that they are in today's NBA where, you know, almost seems like everybody's attempting the three first and then going to settle for the two. When Reddick was at Duke, um, I remember I was watching probably in high school uh, when he was still a senior. They did it. They basically got a steal and brought it down and it was four on one. It was four Dukies and I can't remember who the other team was, but it was four on one. JJ's got the ball. He's at half court. And I, and I kid you not, he, he, he pulled up from about six or seven feet behind the three-point line <laughs> He took the three with three other guys on his right and left. And like anybody else, you would have just seen, you know, a dribble up to the defender and then a dish pass to, you know, the other yeah. guy for a layup. And here he is, he pulls six or seven feet from my three-point line and swish. And yeah. it was kind of like, you know, JJ, um, you know, probably as hated as Christian Laettner for a Duke oh, yeah. player yeah, in his, in his uh, heyday, but, you know, just, just his ability to compete, kind of, you know, bring an attitude to the court, um, but also just back it up with pure skill. And, and, you know, from the three point line, uh, you know, it was just a pleasure to watch. And I, I always remember how good, you know, will this guy be when he gets to the pros? Like, I hope he, I hope he reaches his potential in the pros because literally one of the best college players I've ever watched, but, mm. you know, like you, you know, outlined, he had a lot of, you know, great roles on on many teams over the course of the, you know, very long career, but, He really established himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And his podcasts are awesome. So he's definitely gotten taken it to the next level there. So yeah, definitely has that intellect for sure. So yeah, curious now. Yeah. What are who are your next two now on your list?
0: Yeah. The next guy I have on my list, um, he really reminds me of NBA Live 95, Um, you know, (laughs) a game I used to play on uh, Sega Genesis. Just, uh, you know, a, a role model. for for little kids. Uh, His dad played football. Um, Grant Hill. I loved Grant Hill, um, you know, coming out of Duke and, you know, settling in with the Detroit Pistons, you know, going through their, you know, uniform change to the, you know, the lime, whatever that was, the crazy lime green jerseys with, you know, uh, uh, you know, horse on the front with, you know, flames coming off its head. It was like the iconic jersey for every kid, you know, at my elementary school growing up. But, Uh, just a class act over the course of his career. He was a 25, six and five player. Um, True star. Uh, Just kind of sad to see what happened to, you know, the height of his career when, Mm -hmm. you know, he left for Orlando Um, from about 2004, you know, 2000 to 2004, he didn't play more than, you know, uh, I don't even want to say half a season. It was almost like those years were pretty much vacant throughout his career and just, you know, too bad for Orlando, especially when they had McGrady too. But, um, you know, one thing I actually found out about him going to Orlando was that he was traded uh, for Ben Wallace uh, to Detroit. So, you know, <laughs> any people in Detroit that, you know, cried over Grant Hill leaving. You got Ben Wallace back and you got a title with that. So there's your consolation. But um, yeah. you know, truly, when we were talking about McGrady, you know, not signing with the Bulls, uh, Grant was actually the name that I remember you know, being on our short list and somebody I was like, oh, he'd be so perfect for Chicago. Like, This would be awesome. Um, So I guess we kind of dodged a bullet. But the one thing I'll say about Grant is that even after he had those hardships in Orlando, he was still able to find himself in Phoenix again with Nash and, you know, Stoudemire. um, And, and, you know, the 2005 to, you know, I I believe it was, you know, 0708 Suns. I I always found him to be, you know, kind of like a Shane Betty type, like you were saying earlier, just a guy who realized who he was at that point in his career and said, you know, I just want to be productive. I want to be, you know, a team member. I want to be somebody who's going to really, you know, carry us to the next level. And um, I always felt bad that Phoenix could never really get over that hump because they were so, so close, but, you know, Grant was always in the mix there. So, um, you know, he's, he's one of the guys on my list here. Um, and the second guy I have is, uh, is, is white chocolate, uh, Jason Williams. Uh <laughs> Jason Williams, uh, for me was, was kind of a guy that I tried to emulate when I was in seventh grade. So I shaved my head. I put, uh, you know, white boy on my knuckles because he used to, I think he actually has a tat that has, uh, wit on one side and e-boy on the other. So it's kind of like when you put it together, you could see it. But, uh, he was the definition of cool, no matter, you know, what skin color you are. I mean, I just feel like his compilation videos on YouTube are, worth watching today still uh there hasn't been a player since him that i look at and say wow like yeah all handling passing ability wild wow factor you know he was he was everything uh just for showmanship but uh you know he, he didn't last long on the kings uh he got dish for mike bibby which mm-hmm. for the kings was was a great return um ultimately i mean if it wasn't for, you know, Donahue and his uh, gambling ring, we'd probably be, you know, talking about the Kings, you know, championship that they won, you know, that season against the you know over the Lakers in the Western Conference finals and then further. But um but Jason went on to to play for the Grizzlies. Um, you know, just just still up to his same antics. And I and I do believe he got a a, a championship ring with the Miami Heat in the Wade Shaq era. So Mm-hmm. at least he got his payout at the end, um, in general, but, but just a fun creative player to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I think his legacy will, will live on, um, on the internet.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I have Jason Williams on my list. He was actually right up on, on my list here. So, uh, yeah, I love Jason Williams. Uh, I remember, yeah, just, just watching him during the Kings. I'm like, this guy's awesome. Like he's, he's got to one rookie of the year. This, I know he's it was during uh Vince Carter and all that but i loved watching his games i was i was always cheering for him on uh, when he was going against the lakers uh, again i'm always for the other guy right so um really really wanted them to win but i agree with the whole mike bibby trade and obviously it was it worked out for them as as much as it could so you know mike bibby definitely brought them to a different level so you you can't you can't fault that um yeah i i i admired his career and how he was able to um go to the Memphis Grizzlies and then he kind of got his act together i think with hubie brown uh was able to work with uh, Paul Gasol. um and i think shane betty was in that team too and and yeah they were able to win some games and actually you know i think they meant think they made like the eight seed or something like that too so you know really put 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 his career together and then was able to take it to the next level yeah when he joined the miami heat and won a championship there i think You know, uh, Shaq. Shaq was kind of famous for saying like, "Oh yeah, I want, I want a point guard that passes me the ball (laughs) and all that." Right? Like people forget, like, "Oh yeah, Derek Fisher. He wasn't really known as a passer. He was like, you know, defender. Uh, He was a three and D point guard, which you know you don't hear of too much anymore, right? So, um, but yeah, uh, I remember. I think I remember watching some clips on him. He like scored. uh, I think he played like a perfect game or something like that during the NBA Finals, and just was really clutch for the heat during that playoff run. So when they won the championship, so, you know, really, uh, really, uh, you know, maximize that. And then, you know, uh, yeah, I watched some YouTube videos of him now and he's like playing in rec leagues and still killing it. So he definitely has that love of the game. Uh, I think his son's playing too now. So, you know, it's, it's in his blood. Um, really admire his story, you know, about him working with Randy Moss too. So yeah, love, love that it's just basketball is life for him. Like he's like the quintessential person for ball's life. So yeah. Um, and then I guess I can go off to my next one now. Since we were we're kind of going off of there. So um yeah, my next player uh is is Derek Rose. Uh so you know, former MVP youngest MVP ever. Uh obviously he has that Chicago connection. Um, but you know, I I almost just admire him just because of like how how he's been able to handle all this, right? Handle all these injuries, handle all the all this adversity. Um, and man, some even to this day, like I'll look at when he scored his career high fifty points with the the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, after like the Timberwolves like you know got into an injury bug. They they really didn't have any like other point guards on their on their team uh, when he did that. And then just the pure emotion he had afterwards was like, man, you can just see like all that effort that uh, he put into all that work. I think he said, like, I worked my ass off here. and just crying. Like, Oh, I love that game. Like that. uh, I'll watch that game. And then Kobe's last game. Right. And it's like, man, these are, these are, this is the quintessential moments of like people just bawling out, putting everything that they got on that floor right there. So um, yeah. And then, you know, I know he, uh, joined the Knicks and everything and is, was able to actually do some things for the Knicks too, kind uh, of like that six-man plug-and-starter at point guard, um, you, know, you know, somewhat recently. So, you know, he's, he's definitely uh, not the same person as he was, but I think he's even said, and I, I definitely see, he's a smarter player, uh, not as, you know, uh, uh, I mean, as explosive was, like, because he was as explosive probably as, like, Russell Westbrook, right? But he's definitely much more of a finesse player, has a better shot overall um but yeah definitely just not as explosive uh and especially on the fast break and all so but still a really solid player really admire him uh definitely has like that grant hill thing like oh, well, what could have been uh you know being the youngest mvp and all and 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 working with the and you know being the hometown uh, hero for the bulls right uh but i still love the guy still love his effort still love you know his personality too um you know, he's a very humble individual so um, yeah, just blessed to have watched uh, some of his games, uh, you know, going to the United States and seeing him play too, uh, you know, before all these injuries and all. So, yeah, so that's, I think, yeah, that's my, that's my two right there. And I know I know you kind of picked one off of you there and still one fan you there, but um, yeah, you have anything to say about Derek? <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I'm going to plug episode two for all of our listeners to go back and listen to the merits of a super team Versus a homegrown team because the super team was the only thing standing between Derrick Rose's Bulls and a championship. Honestly, that guy was pretty much everything for Chicago when he came out of Memphis, and you know was was our cornerstone. It was the guy that we got in the lottery, and you know we paired him with Noah. Um, you know I'm, I'm you know stumbling to forget the great the greats who were part of that Bulls team, but in the same sense, it was you know, Kyle Korver and. Yeah. you know, some of these other guys, but, you know, just the explosiveness like you were getting to, um, you know, some of his gunks, his ability to, to hit the spot up too. I mean, he was just a fun player to watch and uh, you know, it's just kind of sad to see how his career went. I mean, similar feelings to Grand Hill. Maybe that's why he's part of our list is that you mm-hmm.
1: feel like there was
0: so much more that didn't get unlocked because, mm-hmm. and fairly injuries kind of derailed, you know, the, the stardom that he, you know, that he possessed. So um, the one thing I was going to say about Rose, which is kind of funny, but when I was in Chicago, a few years ago, it was summertime. I was with my current wife. We were walking down toward the Chicago river and, you know, just crossing a street heading right toward uh, Wacker whacker or what have you. And uh, I look over and uh, I see a guy with a blue Dodgers hat on white tee and, and some jeans and a couple friends. And uh, it was Derek Rose. And <laughs> I looked at him and we made eye contact I'm not the kind of guy who's going to maybe yell or, you know, ask for, you know, say his name or something like that. But I just kind of gave him a slight nod and he had a smile on his face and I uh, didn't say anything to him. Didn't want to bring any attention to him or whatever. Cause he's, I mean, he's Derek Rose in Chicago. I mean, what's going to happen, but yeah. I just, you know, he just always seemed like a good guy. That's all I'm going to say. It's like, yeah. I think even if I said, Hey Derek, I think you probably would have stopped and whatever, you know, signed an autograph, took a picture, whatever it is these days that, you know, people ask for, but uh. Now, just that in itself was kind of like, I kind of like in my looking at it was like kind of like welcome home. You're always welcome here. Like you are Chicago in a lot of ways and you are Chicago basketball forever. So yeah. um, definitely a great person to add
1: to the list. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Yeah. So who's uh, who's next on yours now?
0: Yeah, my next two um, VC. You talked about his cousin. I'm going to go with Vince Carter really never seen a guy dunk a basketball like him I'm, I'm sorry MJ I'm sorry Dominique Wilkins it's just this guy just absolutely blew everybody's minds at the 2000 Slam Dunk Contest with three essentially perfect rounds I think he got thrown a nine by one judge in one of the rounds and everyone pretty much booed like <laughs> out of that whole stadium but you know to do the you know the through the legs uh, you know 360 dunk, the windmills, uh, you know, the dunk that he had at the Olympics over the French center, Frederick Weiss, um, is is forever a YouTube classic. Just, you know, Vince being absolutely ruthless, going to the basket with the ball in his hands. I remember one that he had against Alonzo Mourning in the mid 2000s, where, you know, it was him versus Alonzo in the playoffs. Alonzo, I think, was on the Nets at the time, probably in his twilight years or what have you. But, you know, Vince just went up and cocked the ball back all the way to, you know, almost his ankle. And then just kind of went right over the top of Alonzo morning, who was, you know, an ultimate ring protector in his day. But, uh, you know, VC also could, could score. Um, he put up 50 in the Eastern conference semis against the Sixers. I think he get eight threes in the third quarter or something of, you know, of that sort. Um, just a guy who, you know, filled out a stat sheet was an absolute star in his, in his prime in Toronto. And, uh, he actually got dogged, you know, rightfully so for kind of saying that he, you know, took off games and, you know, he didn't play so hard. And I think that really, you know, stuck around with people for a good amount of time, Um, you know, most likely when he was with the Nets. But, um, you know, I think Vince um, ended up, you know, removing all doubts about him and and kind of, you know, wiping the slate clean when he just ended up playing, you know, for, for eight teams total over a 24 season career. I mean, just something that We don't oftentimes see in any sport, let alone basketball, where a guy's at that kind of longevity and finds a spot, you know, on any team um, and and for whatever needs they may have. I think he, he almost, um, you know, started to get into a mental space like a Grant Hill or like a Shane Battier toward the end, you know, second half of his career where, you know, he was okay with being a role guy. He was okay with, um, you know, sacrificing for the better interests of the team. And that's something I appreciate. I always, you know, I always had a soft spot for Vince regardless, but, you know, kind of seeing where he took his career second half was like, Hey, I'm a good person. And and I'm going to put the effort forth to show you that, you know, any sort of, um, you know, critiques that I gotten, you know, midway through my career just really aren't true. Um, the second guy that I have on my list um, is Steve Nash. I <laughs> just absolutely love his ability to kind of pioneer the point guard spot and and kind of transformed basketball in that time period. Once he was, uh, you know, relieved of, of his duties with uh, Derek and the Mavs, um, I believe it was around 2004, 2005, when he, you know, ended up signing with the Suns. But, um, you know, he just built an offense that this game's really never seen in that time period where, you know, defense was absolutely secondary. And it was just all about pushing, you know, pace and spacing the floor and, and you know, and just dishing away, shooting threes, um, having a guy like Amari down low to kind of, you know, um, clean up the mess or control the paint. And uh, you know, he made guys better. He he took guys that were cast offs from other teams like a you know uh like a Matt Barnes or even like a uh, um you know a Joe Johnson at the start or you know Rajah Bell or um some of the you know Grant Hill kind of you know reignited his career. It was just his ability to take any single guy on his team and say, I'm going to make you a really credible NBA player by you know, the time you step in. And by the time you step out, you're going to be signing a, a nice two, three year deal with another club. And, you know, I'll never see you again, but you know, the, you know, for the time that we had, it was real. And, uh, you know, they were always at the top of the Western conference standings. They never got over the hump. I always felt bad about the Robert Horry game where he checked, um, <laughs> nash into the into the you know uh boards and and omari got a game for that for you know entering the you know the court or what have you so that was a true disappointment in that time period but you know i always just thought if if nash could just get one championship that would just be you know just awesome and uh you know he fell short with the lakers when they tried to put that you know star team together but uh but nash will never be forgotten and uh he doesn't need the championship to you know um cement his legacy as one of the greatest point guards that ever play the game
1: yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I yeah, Steve Nash is definitely somebody that's influential. I think uh, I know KD like really. I think he kind of like wanted him as the coach, right, in Brooklyn. Uh, really had a lot of respect for him. I think they 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 talked a lot and chat a lot when he was uh, when KD was in um, uh, the Golden State Warriors and Steve Nash was like a, a consultant of some sort. Um, so yeah, you got to respect that game, and then he's really changed. I think that that Phoenix team really kind of brought things to the next level. I, I think I want to say those Kings Kings teams started the whole fast pace and and all that and, and a little bit of uh you know just having yeah you know, a lot more ball movement I think was the, the whole thing there. Um and then Steve Nash and the and you know Dan Tony offense really kind of took it to the next level. Uh now you see a lot more of that kind of in like all the teams kind of doing the whole um you know spreading it out and then you know doing some ball screens and then uh maximizing those efforts there. So um, really a, a game changer, multiple MVP, Hall of Famer. So, you know, got a lot of respect for him for sure, and has also brought more attention uh, to basketball in Canada. Uh, you know, now Canada is like a powerhouse for for uh, a lot of NBA talent now. Um, so, you know, really has uh, put on his, put, definitely put on, uh, you know, his his stamp on the game overall. Uh, and I love your pick of Vince Carter. Uh, definitely like so exciting to see him, um, dunking for sure. Uh, but then yeah, like how he's, how he like transformed his career kind of like as a dunker flash, you know, very flashy and all that to like, Oh, let me shoot, show these young bloods, you know, how it's all done and all that. So, uh, very, it was very nice to see his career kind of just, you know, kind of take a full circle if you will. So yeah, very much admire all that. Um, cool. And I think, uh, see my next two here um so you mentioned robert Ori. he's actually one of my people here <laughs> <laughs> robert Ori. <Horry>. i <laughs> oh man yeah i i, I love hate relationship with robert Ori, but i can't get over the fact that he has what more nba championships than like my, he's a seven right so he's got more than a, like some of these other hall of famers Albeit he's not the main reason, but he's a big reason, uh, since he's big shot Bob and all. So um probably, you know, like I, I mentioned a couple of the three and D players before, uh, you know, with like Shane Battier. Um, and then I know you mentioned like Mark, you know Matt Barnes and all of that, but I think like he's like, I mean, he's six ten, uh, can guard, you know, uh, multiple positions overall, being six ten, especially during, you know the two thousands and nineties. Right. Um, so yeah, like he was, he's probably, I forget which, which announcer kind of ridiculous. like, Oh, he's like the greatest defensive player of all time, but he almost kind of was like, he was, he could definitely guard like any type of player out there. Um, you know, again, during that time, you know, when power forwards, especially in the Western conference were, you know, pretty dominant with like Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Right. So can guard those players, uh, but then also had this skill set to you know shoot those threes and spread the floor a little bit, uh you know you know during those times at Shaq and then also with uh, Tim Duncan when when uh Jorge played with the Spurs so you know very admired very much admired his game overall um you know when he was with the Lakers maybe not as much you know ah oh, that three i do remember uh Vladi Diva kicked it out and everything It was a game 6 and then or he just being the cool person he is, you know, uh, took that ball and just, you know, nothing but not right. And I, I do love his answer when he said when some like a reporter asked him, you know, what goes through your head, right? When uh, when you hit those big shots, he's like nothing. It's like that's <laughs> lethal. <laughs> love that. Just has that assassin mentality. So definitely love hate, but you know, uh, really admired him. And you know, uh, I, I definitely love the Spurs. So. Uh, during those, those years. So he was a big, very, very much a big part on that. And then also I know he did a lot of things too, uh, with, um, the, the Houston Rockets, uh, with Akeem and all. So very much instrumental I think on championship teams during the nineties and two thousands. Um, and then, uh, my next player here, um, definitely a hall of famer, probably one of the top, uh, top 10 players of all time. Uh, Tim Duncan, big (laughs) fundamental, um, I love his game is not sexy whatsoever. Like he, you know, he, he he's, you he almost kind of know what's going to happen. He's either going to do the bunker, you know, like the bank shot, um, or you know, he always goes on his right hand uh, is, is what I've actually seen. So, um, but even though you might know what's happening, he's still going to knock it because he's practiced that thing like a thousand times every day. So really admire that. Um, his uh, very, like, I don't think, people realize how good of a defender he was like multiple like uh, he's had i think like 15 all all nba defensive uh, teams and all so uh and i think a lot of the advanced stats say he's like a top 3 uh defender of all time so like yeah very much like <laughs> uh very much underrated part of his game uh you know people see him just as a really good you know uh yeah the the mid range and the bank shots and all that and you know great defense you know, kind of talked about here and there, but like dominant defensive player, um, you know, especially in this modern day age with verticality and and all that really knew how to utilize um, the rules of the game. There, um, very much a constant gamer and uh, admired how he was able to be the, the leader within the team, even though he's not the most vocal guy. Right. Um, but was able to lead that team and show the example that even though I'm like the best player or, you know, the, the most notable player on the team. Um, I'm I'm still going to put on the work, still going to put the effort and, uh, you know, uh, my ego is not, you know, as big as yours and all that. So very much admired that team aspect and was able to help out, you know, build that culture with Greg Popovich, who's now the winningest coach of all time, largely because of um, Tim Duncan, his efforts, his leadership, you know, him and Manu and Tony Parker and, you know, uh, Kawhi as well. Like, uh, yeah, such great teams there and unselfishness uh, within basketball. So, Yeah, those are uh, my two picks there. Um, What are your thoughts on those players?
0: Yeah, I was going to say Tim Duncan basically had the kind of NBA career I think a lot of guys would love to have, just from the sense of like, not only was he, you know, arguably one of the best players of all time, and sometimes he really truly gets left out of those conversations, and it's incredibly unfair because, you know, Kobe had the persona, you know, Michael had the flash. I mean, it was kind of like, a guard is usually in those conversations, if not, you know, an all-time great center or something like that. But I guess what I'm trying to say is he was so quiet and so out of the press and out of everyone's minds that it's almost like that's the kind of career I think a lot of guys would love to have because you just fly under the radar. You don't have to worry about all the BS. And it was kind of like at the end of the day, he was just there to get the job done. And he did. He had five titles and, you know, I was, really sad when he missed that. Um, I want to say it was just like a little hook shot against the Heat that would have, you mm-hmm. know, sealed the game. Um, I think Ray Allen came out and, you know, hit that big three. Mm-hmm. They got the Heat, that title that year. But, it, you know, I think they split in their, you know, one-on-one title-seeking, uh, you know, matchups or what have you. But it was like, I just wanted him to get to that six, and I definitely didn't want to see the Heat get, you know, yeah. another fraudulent title. It's just kind of like, you know. <laughs> But that, those teams were a lot of fun and you know, like you said with Robert Ory, he was a big part of those Spurs teams. And uh, you know, um big shot Bob. I mean, you can't you can't really knock him for you know a guy with seven titles. Um it's not by accident. I know he joined some great teams, but you know, those teams wanted him for the for certain reasons. And uh you know, he's kind of like a Steve Kerr in that way. You know, Steve I think has five titles as well, but it was, you know, because they knew he was a sharpshooter from three and we needed to get him, so you know, Robert Ory definitely um, carved out a great, you know, niche for himself on those, those, you know, championship caliber teams. And, uh, you know, he's a good agitator too. I mean, I feel like without him doing that check against Steve, you know, they wouldn't have probably gotten arguably to that, to that finals that year. But, um, but in general, I mean, I think he just, you know, did everything he required to to win basketball games.
1: Yeah, for sure. Big shot, Bob, man. <laughs> yeah. So who's, uh, who's the next on your list there? <laughs>
0: Yeah, the next on my list, uh, big Chicago player Dennis Rodman. Um, just <laughs> absolutely loved the worm growing up. You know the the different hairstyles. Almost every single night, it was kind of like, what's what color is Dennis Rodman's hair going to be? And I think I was probably you know third fourth grade or something of the sort. But uh, I actually had a Bulls bumper sticker. You know, growing up that you know wasn't on our car yet, and uh, I asked my dad if I could you know if we could cut it out. And basically, you know, cut around in the back of my head so I could have some sort of patterns like Dennis Rodman. So my dad basically gave me a buzz cut, but then outlined the Bulls, you know, logo on the back of my head. So I had this big bull on the back of my head, and, you know, kind of attributed to Dennis Rodman and stuff in third or fourth grade. So I just always like kind of wanted to emulate the guy. I mean, he's he's kind of in the same camp as the Artest Barnes selections on my list, but it's just you know, a guy who's going to dive into the stands, he's going to grab all the rebounds, he's going to piss off the opponent, you know, he's going to, you know, just emulate cool, emulate, you know, um, swagger, attitude. I think every team needs a guy like Rodman, just an agitator, an enforcer. And, um, you know, Dennis was highly skilled too. I mean, the, there's, there's no reason why a guy six five should be leading the league in, in you know, in rebounds and you know, defensive player of the year honors, you know, almost year after year. It was like, how does this guy do it? You know, I'd love to see him, you know, lead an instruction tape on rebounding. I would just love to know what he, you know, had in the back of his mind in order to get, you know, the, you know, the balls that he did. But, uh, you know, I just, for that last three Pete with the bulls, that was the one I remember. Um, didn't remember the first three, but, uh, you know, I just felt like that was the kind of you know player that kind of spoke to me in that, in that, um, in that run with the bulls and uh, you know he he married Carmen Electra he you wore dresses i guess him and Phil decided that you know you can go out and do whatever the hell you want just be back for you know game time and you know keep your stuff together throughout the year and uh, I won't bother you it's kind of what we we, what we watched in the last dance but uh you know a guy who had some serious hardships growing up overcame a lot of odds to you know make it in the NBA and you know even won two with uh, the Pistons before he you know, got his with the bulls. So, uh, you know, gotta give him a lot of credit and, uh, not a perfect person by any means, but, uh, you know, a guy that I think, um, you know, maximized his potential in the game. The uh, other guys, part of my, my pair here is uh Steph Curry, uh, you know, chef Curry. I just, I'd love kind of like Steve Nash, a guy who just kind of was a complete trendsetter and somebody who, you know, we were even talking about JJ Redick, I hit the three bullets, when I was watching at Davidson in that, um, you know, that, that, that run up to, I I don't know if, I think they got to the elite eight, I want to say as as a team, Um, just absolutely remarkable. And, you know, I kind of love when you see a son, um, you know, come from a a past, you know, past, you know, pro player, legend, what have you, but, you know, Del Curry was somebody that I always watched on the Hornets and Raptors growing up as like kind of a three point specialist role player for those teams. And, uh, you know, you kind of start to track that a little bit more carefully as they, you know, approach the pro game and, and things like that. So I always had kind of an eye on Steph, but definitely broke out at Davidson broke out in that tournament. And uh, you know, I was kind of surprised when he went in the draft, even kind of falling, I think he went eighth to the Warriors. It was kind of like, I think everybody saw the talent. It was kind of like, why are you guys all passing on him again? And, you know, he got to the Warriors uh, smaller in stature, I believe he's six, two, but, over the course of his career, he's averaging, you know, around 25, five and five as a six, two point guard, uh, just absolutely ridiculous. The kind of things he can do on the ball, you know, in the basketball court, just, you know, pulling up from the logo or, you know, shooting 90 plus percent from the line or 40, you know, 3% from three point, you know, uh, line for his career. It's, it's just all these different, in standards that I think we all got used to growing up as, as to what is uh, expected or, or what are thresholds, he just completely broke down those thresholds, broke down. <laughs> Everyone's kind of thinking around what it is to be a good shooter. I mean, it's uh, you know, we look at some of the greats in our time, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, and it's like, he, he's broken their records and he's, he's younger than us. It's like, I, I just don't get it. So I think people almost, uh, have gotten desensitized to how great this guy is to now it's like, he doesn't even come up in MVP conversations. You know, it's like, we're talking about Jokic and Embiid and it's like, if we were starting NBA franchises today, those guys might be in our top 10 picks. <laughs> like I think everybody would probably have Curry in their top three or three to five, I would, I would guess. But um, anyways, I'll stop there. Uh Love the guy. What do you think, Wayne?
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll start on Rodman. Um, but yeah, last dance, holy cow. Uh, I remember seeing that and I, I was like, I'm, I, I don't think my dad ever had a conversation about any of this with me. So I'm glad, you know, yeah, I, I didn't know about like all the, the Las Vegas trips as much, but then I saw, I was like, Oh, that actually makes total sense. And then, you know, <laughs> I think there was like that conversation on Twitter was like, well, there, there needs to be a documentary on his whole, uh, Las Vegas escapades and, and, and all that. So, uh, but yeah, like anybody that you, you talk about, that talks about, or, you know, who, who are teammates with Rodman um, will say that Rodman is like one of uh, uh, the best condition and smartest players on the team. Uh, so, you know, with all the, you know, the, the, the hairstyles and, and, you know, his weird antics off the court, like you, you can't knock off, you can't knock on, on his hard work that he dedicates to the game like you said, like he really maximized, like there's no absolute reason why he ought to be uh, being the leading rebounder in the NBA, uh, apart from just being really smart and also being re- really well conditioned overall. So um yeah, mad props to him Has definitely maximized his talents overall. Uh, you know, all, the, all the off, uh, all court stuff, antics, North Korea, all that fun stuff. Uh, hey, you know, let's, we all, we all do weird things in life, right? So, uh, <laughs> his are just a little bit more different. Um, you know, so, but really admire his game overall for sure. There's a reason why he's a hall of famer, even though he doesn't average like 20 points. So, um, Steph Curry. Oh man. Yeah. I, I was about to put him on my list, but you know, I was like, you know, Pat, I know Pat's going to put him on there. So, uh, I'm going to give him props, uh, anyways, too. Like, uh, I remember, uh, I took a trip out to San Fran, actually j- just to, uh, watch him play. And I was like, oh man, this is amazing. Um, so he is, he's basically what everybody wants in a video game as a player, right? Like just shoots threes and all. And he basically is that, right? Like there's something, I don't know, with his hand-eye coordination and brain activity, somebody's got to do some sort of studies on him. Like he's in a different planet with how he operates. It- it's, you know, apparently it's, it's ridiculous. So um yeah very much an underrated passer and dribbler too i i I don't think that gets talked about enough i would say um you know there's there's that one play uh you know when i think he was going against um uh chris paul right where he kind of crosses him up a little bit and uh, has him stumble um was, like just ridiculous plays uh with regards to that and then you know, ha- has evolved his game so much too uh you know there was definitely coming out of college uh i remember yeah there was yeah, Minnesota took two point guards, right? Two point guards in that same draft before Steph Curry. They took what, uh, I think it was Rubio and Johnny Flynn from Syracuse. And I was like, you know, did you watch the NCAA tournament? Like this kid was like going crazy here. So, you know, really, uh, really changed the game. You know, a lot of teams are now about that pace and chucking up threes out there. And a lot of that has to do with Steph Curry. So you know, you, you, you can't uh, knock him up for that. Uh, I know there's a lot of the old school people being like, you know what? Like now, now they have these like nine-year-olds chucking up threes from half court and all that because of him. But, uh, you know, if they're making it, hey, you know, the game isn't so bad. You know, I, I think it's brought up a lot more skill now. Uh, you know, a lot more bigs are shooting threes now. It's like, hey, you know, that's great. Uh, you know, these days it's like why why you're, you're being paid millions of dollars and all that as an NBA professional. Practice to shoot a little bit. So, um, really admire uh, what he's been able to do to uh, change the game uh, overall. So, yeah, yeah. I uh,
0: I just had to look up the 2009 NBA draft just so I knew who in front of. The <laughs> but here, I'll just I'll just go over real yeah. quick. We have go for Blake it. Griffin. Blake Griffin went number one. That's okay.
1: okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Hakeem the beat win number two.
1: Oh man, bust. <laughs> James yeah. Harden went number three. I think that's okay. pretty fair. Okay, Tyreek
0: Evans went four. To
1: yeah, the Kings one Rookie of the Year, but yeah, battles of injuries and all. Yeah, yeah, and then you're absolutely right. Rubio and and, and Johnny Flynn wins five and
0: six, and uh, they were never heard from again. Besides Rubio, but
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 but not Steph Curry career, right? Like that was the whole thing, right, was, right, you know. obviously. Yeah, like, uh, like if you actually think about it, Rubio and Steph Curry would actually make sense somewhat, right? Like, Rubio's not a great shooter. Who's the best shooter of all time? Him. Who's a great passer? Two pass to uh, uh, Steph Curry a little bit more, like, oh, yeah. Um, so they actually could have complimented, but you know, never panned out. One with Johnny Flynn, um, who just couldn't uh, match anything, so yeah.
0: So. Yeah, We'll have to do a review of the what could have been the 2009 Minnesota Timberwolves and
1: just <laughs> go from there. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, my last two uh, top 10 favorite NBA players uh, of all time for me, um, you know, uh, one player here uh, was part of the 90 Bulls. Um, again, I, I, I like the other guy uh, right, where he kind of crosses him up a little bit. And, uh, has him stumble um, was, like just ridiculous plays uh, with regards to that. And then you know, ha- has evolved his game so much too. Uh, you know, there was definitely uh, coming out of college. Uh, I remember, yeah, there was, yeah, Minnesota took two point guards, right? Two point guards in that same draft before Steph Curry. They took what uh, I think it was Rubio and Johnny Flynn from Syracuse. And I was like, you know, did you watch the NCAA tournament? Like this kid was like going crazy here. So you know, really, uh, really changed the game. You know, a lot of teams are now about that pace and chucking up threes out there. And a lot of that has to do with Steph Curry. So, you know, you, you, you can't uh, knock him up for that. Uh, I know there's a lot of the old school people being like, you know what, like now, now they have these like nine-year-olds chucking up threes from half court and all that because of him. But, uh, you know, if they're making it, hey, you know, the game isn't so bad. You know, I, I think it's brought up a lot more skill now. Uh, you know a lot more bigs are shooting threes now it's like hey you know that's great uh, you know these days it's like why why you're you're being paid millions of dollars and all of that as an NBA professional practice to shoot a little bit so um really admire uh, what he's been able to do to uh, change the game uh overall so yeah
0: yeah I uh I just had to look up the 2009 NBA draft just so I knew who in front of that <laughs> <laughs> but here I'll just I'll just go over real yeah. quick we have Go for Blake it. Griffin, Blake Griffin, went number one. That's okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashim the beat, win number two. Oh man, bust. <laughs> James Harden went number three. I think
1: that's okay. pretty fair. Okay.
0: Tyreek Evans went four.
1: Yeah. The Kings. One Rookie of the Year, but yeah, battles some injuries and all. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're absolutely right. Rubio and, and, and Johnny Flynn
0: went five and six, and uh, they were never heard from again, besides Rubio. But <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 but not Steph Curry career, right? Like that was the whole thing. Right. Was, right. So. Obviously. Yeah, like, ah, uh, like if you actually think about it, Rubio and Steph Curry would actually make sense somewhat, right? Like, Rubio's not a great shooter. Who's the best shooter of all time? Him. Who's a great passer? Two pass to, uh, uh, Steph Curry a little bit more. Like, oh yeah. Um, so they actually could have complimented, but, you know, never panned out. One with Johnny Flynn, um, who just couldn't uh, match anything. So, yeah. So.
0: Yeah, We'll have to do a review of the what could have been the 2009 Minnesota Timberwolves and
1: just <laughs> go from there. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, my last two uh, top 10 favorite NBA players uh, of all time for me, um, you know, uh, one player here uh, was part of the 90 Bulls. Um, again, I, I, I like the other guy, uh, the Robin, if you will, uh, Scotty Pippen. Uh, probably, you know, I, I was, I, I think I was shocked when I, I learned like maybe a couple of years ago, like he never won defensive player of the year. Uh, but when you talk about like best perimeter players of all, you know, the def- best defensive uh, perimeter players of all time, how can you not talk about Scottie Pippen um, with that length and that agility and quickness um, that tenacity that him and MJ were, were, were you know, putting up on, on an every night basis um it was just killer like yeah like he he would uh guard the best player and just you know take them out basically um while also you know uh dunking the ball you know that famous dunk on patrick ewing i love it whenever espn ever had him on maybe not so much anymore but whenever they had him on right it was like you know oh yeah multiple time all-star hall of famer dunked really really hard on patrick ewing loved it um so maybe not so much anymore, but whenever they had him on, right, it was like you know, oh yeah, multiple time All Star, all Hall of Famer, dunked really, really hard on Patrick Ewing, loved it. Um, so, but yeah, like really consummate, um, uh, really, really just uh, tenacious overall player, uh, all around skill set. Um, you know, definitely developed. Uh, you know, could it be argued because of Michael Jordan? Maybe, maybe not, but you know, definitely developed that skill level so that you know can. Uh, Utilize his frame basically, you know, so it just didn't go to waste. So, um, yeah, just loved him overall, and uh, you know, he, I know I always remember that he would always play with the second unit for the Bulls, and he would be one of the reasons just why like he was why the teams were or why the Bulls would always kind of get ahead or pull ahead more uh, was because of his efforts, his able his ability to, you know, work with whoever the players were on the court um, as a facilitator. Uh, and then, you know, beat that bench up from the other team. So, uh, you know, very underrated in that aspect. Um, you know, is he as good as Michael Jordan, as uh, Scotty Pittman has been saying recently? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But, you know, definitely, um, definitely an all-around player uh, for sure. So, yeah. And then my last player on this list, uh, you know, he he's still in the NBA, Uh, though he's been injured, uh, you know, pretty frequently and has been injured for, uh, basically all the season, uh, Kawhi Leonard, um, uh, you know, you can definitely knock him on the whole, uh, uh, was it load management and all that. Um, but really admire him as a player. Um, I like his humility, but toughness and hard work that he, uh, showcases, um, you know, uh, what, what he was able to do in Toronto was out of this world. Uh, I still would have liked to have seen him, you know, uh, against the full, uh, fully healthy uh, Golden State Warriors squad, um, you know, to see what how that would have unfolded. Uh, I don't know, to be honest, if if they would have beaten them, but I would have loved to have seen him and, and KD uh, kind of go against each other. But, you know, uh, they had a whole entire country a whole entire country on their back and uh Kawhi during that finals was tremendous, you know. Um uh yeah, definitely uh, you know, brought some joy for me for sure during that time. Uh, you know, uh, I definitely admired what he was able to do also with the Spurs. Um, you know, I, I, this is definitely where I'm like I, I want I want the Bulls to do something similar with Patrick Williams, right? Uh you know, to have all of this veteran leadership around him to show him kind of how things are run and how how to be a consummate professional. I'm hoping I see that from Patrick Williams, but like, with Kawhi, like they, you know, he had Manu near him. He had, uh, uh, he had Tony Parker. And then we we talked about Tim Duncan before, um, you know, and and a bunch of other players on, on the, uh, on the Spurs. So, you know, and I do remember that they actually were going against the, uh, the Golden State Warriors when they won 70, uh, 73 games and all. And, uh, he got hurt because uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name uh, uh, hurt him or, or like uh, slid in there uh, to to do the closeout and and Kawhi Leonard uh, stumbled upon his leg and injured himself so it was out from the series but they were like beating the the that Warriors team by like 20 points or something like that when that happened so um, who knows what could have happened there they, they won like 60 some odd games so it's not it's not like there was some sort of like team that snuck in like this was a contender, you know, they had when they had like Marcus and uh, Tim Duncan still and, you know, all, all those other players. So, um, but yeah, love his game, love his persona. Uh, he's, he's kind of a fun guy too. So uh, just uh, love his humility and um, his, his uh, overall persona. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Scotty Pippen and Kawhi? Yeah,
0: Scotty, you know, part of the trio for the Bulls. Uh, I love all the Chicago Bulls of that era. You know, honestly, like, I'm not going to say a bad thing about any Chicago Bull from 96 to 99 or whatever. (laughs) It's just kind of like the most, or I should say 95 to 98, but like the most nostalgic run, um, you know, for any team that I've ever watched, especially at that age, too. I was pretty impressionable. But, you know, Scotty was, you know, he was the glue guy i mean he was he was michael's right hand man, but he was also just like the guy who could take absolute pressure off of m j when the entire world was on him and you know Scotty bona fide star in his own right and he'll never get the credit he deserves. he will never get that credit and it is too bad that Scotty's kind of started to lash out or you know voice out about how he feels maybe there's other things going on in his life right now or you know, he's getting to that age where he knows he can never go back and play ball and maybe what's ahead of him isn't as exciting. So it's like, there might be a, just a confluence of other things going on around Scotty in his life, but I'm going to try to, you know, eliminate all that kind of stuff when I think about the guy, but yeah, I mean, just a, just a true all-star basketball player, a uh, guy could probably play in today's game, the one through the, the four, maybe a five in, in a small ball era, but uh, his game would definitely apply today. Um, you know, had a dog mentality too, like you're saying with the posterizing dunks. I know he got involved in some scrums too uh, throughout his time with with the Knicks and, you know, Pistons and other squads. But it's just like that era of basketball was just so much fun to watch because all the players were pretty much like dedicated to those franchises. They were like, (laughs) it just felt like you could run the same team out three to four years in a row. And today that would just never happen. But it's like, in that era, you just had, you had the heat, you had the Knicks, you had the Pacers, you had the Bulls. And it was like, there's going to be a bloodbath every season. So um, just really appreciated watching those regular season games and playoff runs uh, in that time. Um, with Kawhi, he's an interesting guy. I mean, I don't get, the only thing I don't get about Kawhi is it's like, he's kind of like frustratingly quiet. Like <laughs> I feel like Tim Duncan is like naturally quiet and like naturally reserved. And I feel like Kawhi, like, suppresses his true personality in some ways just so he doesn't get, get in front of the line you know in front of the yeah. spotlight and sometimes it com- kind of comes across as unnatural I don't know just maybe my interpretation of Kwan. <laughs> like you know all that aside I mean his game speaks for itself I mean he's I don't even know who I want to compare him to but he's just he brings that defensive prowess to like the 99th percentile of like what's possible. And then he's mm-hmm. also got just like a really great offensive game too. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't do anything specifically like eye poppingly well, but it's like, he's going to fill out that entire stat sheet every single night. He kind of reminds me of like a, like an elevated Jimmy Butler. Like yeah. he's a better version of Jimmy Butler and Jimmy's an awesome player. It's just like, you don't look at Jimmy Butler and say that guy's a three point you know, sniper, or he's the best rebounder in the game. It's like, he just does everything really well. And, Mm. you know, it just accumulates and, you know, he's also a winner. I mean, bona fide winner. So when you're winning titles and, you know, doing it for multiple franchises, like nobody can take that away from you. And uh, it's just kind of sad to see what's happened with the Clippers. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Paul George fan, but um, you know, in general, yeah. I mean, I think everybody would love to see them, be in the mix and kind of play to their potential and not just kind of flop out due to injury. But um, but yeah, Kawhi's Kawhi's a
1: stud. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I think I liked. I, I remember watching this YouTube video about uh, Kawhi. Just to add on of like uh um him and uh his, his game being compared to like Kobe and MJ because he emulated. He actually spent a couple summers I think with Kobe to like figure out that mid range game. And then who did Kobe kind of figure out and coordinate with all that he'd figure out for an MJ. So I kind of like to see that passing of the torch and all that too. Um, but then, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I see this reserve side and I don't know if there's like unreserved trauma or what, but um, cause I know like he had a similar thing with uh similar to Michael Jordan, right. With the whole, um, you know, his father got murdered and all that too. in Compton, I think. Right. So yeah, definitely some things there, but yeah, you can not knock his game for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do like his quirky side. It, he definitely has a quirky side too um yeah I, I definitely encourage people to watch uh, him and uh, uh uh Serge Ibaka I think they were eating testicles like uh, uh like bull text testicles something like that so, I'm glad it, I'm glad they were bulls testicles yeah yeah, I think it was like <laughs> testicle. yeah something like that some sort of testicle out there so um <laughs> definitely not like a human so yeah, yeah uh he's yeah he definitely has a quirky personality for sure which probably was what made him fit into uh uh, the Spurs, but yeah, a winner, um, very efficient player, uh, Mr. Big hands too. Like, I think I saw that video of him and Shaq. So yeah, just, uh, yeah, I think he's, yeah, as long as he's healthy and all that, I think him and like Steph Curry are probably my two favorite players in the modern day NBA, just because of what they bring to the table. So yeah. 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 Great picks. Um, I'm going to round it out
0: with my, my, my remaining two here. Um, this guy shares my last name. How could I not, you know, love him from the start? Reggie Miller. Um, just an absolute killer from the three-point line. I mean, Michael's, you know, if Michael was Batman, he was the Joker. It was kind of like, you know, Reggie just had an attitude a swagger to him where you know, he's going to come into Madison Square Garden. He's going to hit a three. He's going to look Spike Lee right in the face. And he's going to throw up a choke sign, you know, something like, you know, I watched his 30 for 30, uh, you know, later on in my, like, I would say like adult years or what have you, but just, you know, too bad he never got onto the mountaintop and got, you know, what he deserved, um, you know, 2004, 2005 season. I think going back to it, talking about, you know, Ron Artest, you know, with Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson, you know, Ron and Reggie. Um, that team was ready to go. I mean, they were, they were ready to go. They were loaded. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just too bad to see, you know, over the course of his career, you know, he's constantly stopped by Michael and the Bulls and their greatness and was totally happy about that. Like, don't get me wrong, but you uh, always had like a soft spot for Reggie because, you know, those teams were fun to watch too. Like the Davis brothers down low, Rick Smith's, you know, uh, Derek McKee had, you know, Sam Perkins just kind of, Propped up in the corner, always ready for the three, and then you had uh, you know Jalen Rose and you know Travis Best toward the you know later years in his career there. But um, yeah, I think with Reggie, the the reason why I kind of brought him up to is uh, you know, I used to wear his jersey. That was the first jersey uh, that I got as a kid. Was a Pacers navy blue with the yellow and white striped jersey, and it had nowhere on the back. So uh, in second grade, I decided to kind of fib a little bit. And I was basically telling kids in my grade that, you know, Reggie was my uncle. Um, you know, somehow, some way it kind of played. I, I mean, maybe second graders are just that goal. So I started saying that he was my uncle and this and that. And, like, a kid asked me if I could, like, have him sign his, uh, his basketball card. So I, uh, I basically took that card home and I asked my dad if he could just write Reggie Miller on the card. And my dad... And <laughs> not really knowing why I asked that, but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that was that was one of my uh, my wrongdoings as a second grader. But I I always got a kick out of that. But um, no, I mean I guess to just to take the story home, I mean a Hall of Famer, uh, surprisingly only a three time All NBA player, which I just thought was kind of mind blowing because I'm thinking to myself, you know, if there, you know, if there are three teams of All NBA, um, how did this guy only get on those three times? You know, it's just like who, who else was better than him, uh, perennially that, that he'd only got on that list three times. It just kind of, it just kind of messed me up. But, uh, yeah, in general, um, I don't think anybody would look at him that way as, as not being one of the greats of that era. And, uh, you know, just, just a guy that I, you know, will always remember. And, and, you know, think he was one of the pioneers for the three point, you know, field goal. Um, and my last guy, this is going to sound really cliche and, uh, I don't care, but uh, Michael Jordan is number one on my list. I mean, I'd be lying to myself if I didn't think that he was, you know, just the greatest basketball player I've ever watched over the course of my life. Um, You know, uh, those years when it was him, Scotty, Dennis, you know, Tony, all the rest of the characters on that team. I mean, just big shot after big shot, you know, putting up 30, 35 a night uh, doing the flu game in Utah you know, his accolades, you know, going down the line, 11-time All-NBA, nine-time defensive player, uh, six-time NBA MVP, you know, six NBA championship rings. I mean, 36-5 and five averaging uh, over the course of his career. And even when he got to the Wizards, he averaged 21-5-4 and four when he was 38-39 years old. So it's just like, what did this guy not do for the game of basketball? And, you know, looking at – kind of everything he was for pop culture in the nineties too, you know, the McDonald's commercials, you know, Sprite, you know, Gatorade, everything that we consumed, whether it be food, clothing, entertainment, it was, it was Michael Jordan. And um, I would just be, you know, I think I would just kind of attack my own credibility here, speaking about my favorite players, if I didn't add Michael to the list. So, I'll leave them there. And uh, the greatest Hall of Fame speech I'll, I'll ever rewatch, you know, to the State Board, maybe him and Dennis were the two that I probably love most uh, just kind of watching their speeches. But what do you think overall about those two? And, uh, you know, you definitely have some, uh, some you know, memories to draw on. But what do you want to say?
1: Yeah, I'll go with Reggie first. Um, no, like, I agree. Like, you, you got to think about the the teams that went to seven, right, against the Bulls. It wasn't it wasn't the two-hall of famers uh at Utah right uh you know the the Utah Jazz during the finals it it was it, i think it was happened like maybe t- two or three times right uh uh the Pacers bring the bringing it to seven games against the Bulls so like you know there was always that like oh whoever won that series was probably going to win the NBA championship there right so yeah like the Reggie Miller uh Pacers you know, late nineties. And, and, you know, to that, yeah, Malice, the palace, like I remember watching the Malice and the palace documentary and hearing about, about all that. It's like, you know, Reggie was like, Oh, this, this, this is going to be the team. This is going to be the team. Uh, and then all that happens and that just killed it. So, um, but yeah, like he matched, he matched Jordan on the clutch when it was winning time. Right. So like there was, there was those game winners that he had against uh, MJ and, um, And, uh, yeah, during the Knicks, like, he was a competitor. Like, he's a scrawny kid and all that. Uh, Can shoot three and all, but scrawny, uh, but he was a competitor. So uh, you have to admire what he was able to do uh, against the GOAT. So (laughs) bringing them to seven games, uh, competing at the highest level um you know uh, it was definitely one of those love hate things uh for sure but at the same time i have mad respect for reggie and i think it's like definitely one of those things and i felt the same way with kobe it's like the older they get it's like you kind of just admire them you know for all that they they're you know for them being competitors uh and and pushing uh, pushing themselves to the limit and then yeah maybe they're slowing down a little bit but they still got some game they can still contribute so really admire reggie miller overall and now he's you know probably setting himself up for like a Hall of Fame uh, NBA uh, commentator career too. So he's doing a really good job there too. So um, MJ the GO. Glad you you ended on him. Um, I was definitely like yeah, it's too cliche to put him on there, but you know I get it for sure. Um, you know got the shoes. Uh, I you know he's definitely changed the game. Uh, I have a portrait of him. Uh, his last shot as a bull. Um, uh kind of on my walls uh and you know it's it, that statuous like you know pose and everything that he had there too uh you know it was not a push-off with Brian russell fyi but you <laughs> know yeah like changed the game um uh you know brought it definitely much more to mainstream culture uh you know space jam like still greatest movie of all time the second one stinks uh style <laughs> lebron um you know uh yeah i don't know i don't know what else to say i i feel like anything that's been said for him has been said uh but you know uh it, it it's sad that he's not the greatest owner maybe <laughs> you know hasn't <laughs> bought it to that same level but you know he's still making shoes still making that money and you know uh eventually maybe he'll uh you know they can get some town around Lamelo uh for the future but um. Yeah. Really admired his game and what he was able to, uh. You know that Hall of Fame speech. That that speech for uh, during Kobe's funeral was really heartbreaking too. Um. So it really just shows how much passion he has for the game. Uh. And then you know, I, I think what he saw with Kobe was a, a little bit of himself, right? That competitiveness that they both had. Um. And uh. Yeah. It's it's really interesting to see what uh, has happened and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, if it, it'll be interesting if he actually, uh, know, yeah, his, his Hornets actually do start winning some games, uh, you know, or a championship or two or something. So yeah. Uh, love, uh, love your list. Love this, uh, this great overall talk. Uh, any, any other words from you? Yeah. I mean, I just think of some of the highest highs that I've ever had watching basketball and, you know,
0: just going to touch on Jordan again. It was just like, you know, we he- need, won those championships in Chicago when we were kind of, you know, growing up and still kind of forming opinions about the world. It's just like, I can't get back to those kinds of highs watching the game of basketball. Yeah. Like I right yeah. you know, Just uh, how exciting it'd be to even, you know, pull out a pack of cards, you know, buying a pack of cards at the store. And if you got a Jordan, you just knew like right away, it's going to be the hottest trade commodity at school or something like that. But it's just, you know, guys like that, you know, they don't come around too often. It's like a pleasure to see a guy like, you know, Kobe and, you know, even LeBron, just to see a guy who kind of plays at that sort of level above all of his competitors, mm-hmm. where it's just extremely rare in any of the sports that we watch to to really see a star in the making like that. So it was a pleasure to watch him play. But uh, no, I thought this list was great. I mean, my my thoughts are that, you know, in general, if you look at both of our lists, it's it's not always the Michael Jordans of the world that are going to be, you know, mm-hmm. truly our favorite players or even guys that, you know, we remember 30 years from now. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of guys that are carving out niches in their game or, you know, sacrificing for their team as a veteran or specializing in a certain component of the game that we'll, you know, take notice of. And I I feel like it's the guys that have that kind of, you know, fighting dog mentality when they step on the core where it's like,
1: yeah. we just
0: knew this guy is locked in, he's all in. It's not about, you know, you know, uh, his next business venture. It's not about, you know, his next contract dispute or, or what team he wants to flip to next. It's like these guys just emulated what it is to be, mm-hmm. you know, a true warrior, a true basketball player in today's or in, you know, yesterday's game. But, uh, how about you? Do you have any like lasting impressions
1: or anything? Yeah, no, well I was gonna say, I, I liked your list. Like you, you definitely had this mix. I think both of us did. Right. Like as, uh, you know, maybe players, you know, the, what if players, right. That got hurt. Uh, played the game really well, but then still persisted. Right. I think we both had, you know, I had Derek Rose, you had Grant Hill, you know, kind of had similar careers in that, in that fashion where they were really hot shots kind of young and all that, that. Uh, but then stumbled on some injuries and then, you know, things just didn't go the way that, that they wanted, but then, um, or that we wanted to, but then they were able to carve out their own careers um, going forward. So you know really admire that um but and, and then you know we we both like dogs i think that's a chicago mentality too <laughs> you know, those tough guys you know those assholes and all that will kick kick butt and all that for you uh really admire that um yeah that's just uh that's the chicago basketball uh style i feel like so yeah glad that we had um you know our, our own assholes in our on both of our uh, favorite uh players list here so Hey man, yeah, no, it's it's awesome talking about this and about the basketball uh, world a little bit, you know, and all the uh, all the players that we grew up watching. And I know we both kind of have some players here with Steph Curry, Kawhi still still playing, uh, hoping to see Kawhi back and all that. Um, you know, I think the game's just better overall with him playing. So, but yeah, love both of our lists, I think. Yeah when you when you said Chicago Dogs, I was thinking you know just don't yeah. order it with. <laughs>
0: I just had a Chicago dog last Sunday, so it was just like Venus
1: circle? Okay. circle. or a port- <laughs> circle? Yeah,
0: like- yeah, I had to go with Portillos, but uh yeah, in general, uh, you know, just just good time talking about, you know, these topics and uh if you're a listener out there and you're on Instagram, YouTube, whatever have you, leave a comment and tell us who your favorite player or players are. We'd love to, you know, hear your feedback or even converse with you on, you know what memories you may have from the nineties, the two thousands or, or present day. But, uh, you know, with that, um, Wayne Pua, Patrick Miller, we're signing off for ball and breakfast and uh, catch us next time. We'll be firing up a new episode soon.
1: Thanks all.